Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for December 6th, 2023. What's next for the auto market? It was a newsworthy year for the auto market, with widespread strikes disrupting new car production and loan rates rising to the highest levels in more than 20 years. As we look ahead to 2024, how will a potential recession impact demand for autos? And what could that mean for the prices for buyers? This is Brian Kirk, and with me today to discuss the current and future state of the auto market, we have Nationwide's senior economist, Ben Ayers, and economist, Daniel Vilhaber. Hey Ben, as we start this discussion on the auto market, we're gonna give you the keys to the car first. Of course, the big story coming into 2023 was the lack of supply for new cars. But there were signs for improvement over the year. So is it easier now to find a car today than it was earlier this year? And you looked at the recent sales data. What have you learned from that? Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, Let's start with the sales data where auto sales have actually been a pretty solid bright spot for the economy this year. You know, as you mentioned earlier, we really struggled with supply issues over 2022 and light vehicle sales suffered as a result. When we changed over to 2023, we've actually had higher sales on an annualized basis each month than anything we saw over 2022. So certainly some improvement this year. The annualized sales pace has run between 15 and 16 million units roughly every month and data through November. That's a pretty solid rate, Uh, you know, not as high as we saw in the pre-pandemic era, where we're up around 17 million, um, but certainly still a pretty solid pace of sales. And certainly speaking that there's lots of demand out there for cars still, especially coming off of the pandemic when it was such hard time to be able to find a vehicle. As has been the case for several years now, the light vehicles category, which includes trucks, SUVs, and crossovers, has really dominated sales, comprising about 80% of total vehicle purchases this year. And really, all of the growth we've seen in sales this year has come from that light trucks category, because passenger cars have basically been steady and at a low level over much of the, the year. As you mentioned in the question, I think the the reason behind the improved sales this year has mainly been improved supply. You know, At some points last year in 2022, there were fewer than 1 million new vehicles available at car dealers in the U.S. So it's really as a result of the Microchip shortage was limited production by many manufacturers, and this made it extremely difficult to find a vehicle when you went out to look for one. You know, that's an extremely low level, and obviously that caused many people to just go away from the market because they couldn't find what they wanted. Uh, There's big delays in how long it took to get those vehicles, and it really kind of helped suppress sales over 2022. As we flash forward into 2023, you know, the ability to find a car, truck, or SUV has improved. As of beginning of November, we have about 2.2 million new vehicles available. So, you know, more than double what we had at some points in 2022. That's about 60 days of supply, which equals levels from early 2021, really before many of the supply chain issues and the microchip shortages really took off. You know, still leaves inventory levels about you know, 30 to 35% lower than pre-pandemic. So availability has improved, isn't quite back to normal yet. So you're still gonna have issues if you're looking for a very specific vehicle or color, finding it when you go to the store, Uh, especially maybe there's a few brand names from Japan or South Korea, which have some of the lower levels 
of inventory. So you can't still can't be really picky in the current environment, but certainly there's more availability now that we've seen over, than over the past couple of years. And, you know, certainly helping to spur a little bit more activity this year and obviously seeing the improved sales. Uh, the fact that demand has kept up and sales have been higher this year, I think is really a testament to the resiliency of consumer spending this year. We've seen that more broadly within the numbers, but when you look at the auto sector, you know, that still is, is showing out there in the numbers as well. And really, again, that pent up demand from over the pandemic when I mean, people just couldn't find a car, so they waited until they could, you know, the market improved a little bit. You know, it's more so it's because it's getting more expensive to buy a new vehicle. The average price of a new car this fall was just a little bit below fifty thousand uh, dollars. Just three or four years ago, the average cost was about forty grand. So that's a big increase in a very short period of time. And on top of that, auto loan rates are up dramatically this year. The the average rate for a forty eight month auto loan has more than doubled since early twenty twenty two, topping out at nearly eight percent. In recent months, and you combine that with the higher price and the higher loan rate, that's a tremendous increase in the cost to buy a car and has really pushed monthly car payments to record levels. So the fact we're still seeing a good amount of sales is, again, just a testament to the resilience of the spending and, and just the continued demand that we're seeing across the economy. Um, certainly, the jump in cost has forced some buyers to back out of the market and go and to hold off, and the sales would have been even higher this year if rates hadn't climbed so sharply. So this is going to be a key factor that we're going to watch as we go into our outlook for 2024. Oh, thanks, Ben. Now, Daniel, an unexpected factor this year has been the lengthy UAW strike. Now, both sides came to an agreement and the strike came to an end. But because of the strike, there were some concerns about renewed disruptions to the car production. So how significant was the impact of the strike and what was in the agreement? Yeah, so first I'll briefly recap the headline terms here. The the deal calls for 25% bump in wages over the life of the contract, which runs through April 2028, and 11% bump immediately. It also includes cost of living adjustments, which were taken away as part of cost-saving measures during the Great Recession, as well as provisions for temporary workers to be converted to full-time after nine months. This has had some spillover effects already on the rest of the auto industry as both Honda and Toyota have announced wage increases for their workers and the subject is being discussed in other companies as well. It's unlikely to affect wages in the broader manufacturing sector, however, as the 34,000 strikers make up only 0.2% of the 13 million uh, manufacturing workers in this country. On the other side of the equation, it's certainly going to have a big impact on the big three in the form of significant cost increases. Ford estimates it will add $8.8 billion to their costs over the life of the contract. But it's too early to know how successful the big three will be as they adjust to this new cost environment and try to remain competitive and profitable. In terms of production, you know, Ben briefly touched on, uh, on inventory levels. I'll just add a little color to that. Thankfully, auto inventories were in good shape at the outset of the strike. According to Cox Automotive, GM had 60 days inventory at the start of October, which is level considered normal and ideal and was last seen in GM in early 2021, as Ben mentioned. Ford had 90 days worth and Stellantis had 111 days. So these inventory numbers are echoed by comments in the November ISM manufacturing survey, which suggested that the three-year chip shortage has come to an end or, or is close to coming to an end. And because of the solid inventory numbers, there's a little bit of a delay in the market feeling to decline in auto assemblies that we saw in October during the strike. And it could be that higher production in the last couple of months of the year could prevent October's decline from having much of an impact at all. 
Right. Well, thank you, Daniel. So one other part of the auto market, which experienced some changes in 2023, were electronic vehicles or EVs. Now, while more EV models were introduced this year, a lot more, slowing market demand led to many manufacturers to slash prices on EVs. So, Daniel, what's the latest on the EV side of the market? Yeah, so price drops for EVs have been in the news a lot lately, and for good reason. On average, EV prices are down about $13,000 per car compared to a year ago, an incredible drop of about 20%. Part of the problem for non-Tesla automakers likely has to do with expectations. Tesla buyers know what they're getting into in the EV market, but buyers of other high-end brands have become accustomed to a certain level of luxury when paying luxury prices. The problem with luxurious materials on seats, the dash, etc., is that they're heavier and come at the expense of battery range, and buyers of these high-end brands are finding that they can't have the best of both worlds for the same price, so they're seemingly becoming less interested, necessitating price drops. Of course, after saying that, I should note that Tesla has also dropped their prices just like everyone else, but they continue to dominate the EV market. In any case, sales numbers actually aren't bad. In fact, they're, they're very good compared to history. This year, there will be the first year where over a million EVs are sold in the calendar year. The final sales number is expected to be between 1.3 and 1.4 million. But it's unlikely that sales would have come close to this level without automakers realizing that a drop in prices was necessary. Going forward, it's reasonable to expect that EV sales will continue to rise, but how high is the question? S&P Global forecasts that EV sales will rise to over 6 million by 2030. So about four and a half times what we're seeing in 2023, and likely more than one third of total light vehicle sales, in part because of a greater number of EVs qualifying for tax credits. This seems plausible to me if, and it could be a big if, American automakers, which are currently scaling back production on EVs, can figure out how to control their costs better and make EV units more profitable. But I've seen other estimates that suggest as much as two-thirds of sales will be EVs by 2035, and these estimates don't really pass the smell test to me. They seem to be basing their forecasts on sales trends seen in countries like China, Germany, Norway, etc., without recognizing that a significant contributor to those sales trends has been the regulatory environment in those countries. And in each case, that regulatory environment is very different from what we have in the U.S., now, thanks, Daniel. I see that uh, Ben is done charging his EV vehicle. So I we'll ask him the next question here now. So Ben, as we shift to the outlook for 2024, one key area to watch is the total cost of ownership for consumers, which goes beyond just the sticker price and everything else. So Ben, what are you watching for here and how could this impact consumer demand for vehicles? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, we talked earlier about the sharp rise in costs for a new car purchase. According to Kelly Blue Book, average new car prices have actually come down a bit in recent months since earlier this year. Again, that's likely in response to the improved supply, kind of holding down prices a little bit. Used car prices have eased over the past year too, dropping about 10 to 15% from their peaks in early 2022 within the, the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index. But the cost of newer used cars remains much higher than it did before pandemic. We make that very clear. 
the costs are still up pretty sharply from where they've been a few years ago, as we already outlined. And uh, we may see prices fade a little bit more over 2024, especially if demand wanes and, and maybe we see continued strong, solid production. I just don't think we're ever going to get back to those pre-COVID prices. We might just come down a little bit more from where we are right now. You know, when I think about the outlook for 2024, I, I think the first thing I want to focus on is high loan rates, and which are expected to remain an issue for potential buyers probably over much of the next year and maybe even into 2025. Um, it's been reported that some buyers are getting quoted double-digit interest rates right now. You know, the average rate's probably more in the 7 to 8% range, but, you know, some people with worse credit ratings are getting quoted up to double-digit interest rates. We're, we're see, also seeing 84-month-long loans, even up to 94 96-month auto loans as buyers try to keep down their monthly payments. That's a lot of risk in a long period of time you're paying off that vehicle. So, you know, based upon our estimates, there might not be much relief on the rate fund for a while. We see auto loan rates probably remaining in the current 7 to 8% range at least until mid-2024. Maybe we'll see some modest easing after that, but, you know, we're not getting down to low ranges probably for several more years. And I think finally, we have to consider what we would call the total cost of car ownership. You know, newer cars are great. They have more technology, improved safety measures, but they're also much more expensive to repair. And, and getting a car fixed has become increasingly more expensive. You know, have more mechanics are retiring, so it's harder to find a qualified mechanic. And many of those repairs are becoming more technical with the advancements in technology that are placed in many cars. They're really more driving computers than they are anything else at this point with all the, the technology involved. And according to the Consumer Price Index, motor vehicle repair costs are up more than 15% over the past year. That means a pretty simple repair like a new bumper or a windshield replacement you know, can really add up when you have to factor in all of the other technology that goes involved with those now, with the backup cameras, the other cameras that are in there. You know, Something that before would have cost a few hundred dollars might be $1,000, $1,500, even more. Uh, and that just increases the potential costs for consumers as they think about buying a car. So you know, maybe for some folks, they look at all of this, the higher prices, the higher rates, you know, how much more is that going to repair if something goes wrong with that car? And if your current car is working fine and maybe it's paid off, you might choose to hold off for a car purchase for a while. And so because of that, I think there are some potential downside risks to sales as we look ahead, at least until interest rates become a little bit more affordable. Right. So, Ben, let's add this up for our listeners. What is your outlook for auto sales next year, especially with a recession potentially looming on the horizon? Yeah, you know, great question. Again, you know, as we've discussed, I think there are some substantial headwinds, both for the economy and for the auto market as we look into 2024. You know, we do think there is likely to be a, a recession next year. We think it's going to be more mild. We think it's going to be shorter. So maybe not nearly as much of a downside concern either for the economy or for overall demand for cars as we typically see around a recession. But still, that there's still a little bit of downside there. You know, if we do see a recession, you know, job losses, even if we expect them to only be modest, could limit incomes and limit the amount of demand that people have for autos next year. So I think we should see sales decline a little bit from where we are in 2023, especially in the middle stages of next year. If the recession hits around the middle stage of the second quarter or the first half, as we currently expect them to be clear, we don't expect sales to fall off very sharply for 2023 
We're on track for about 15.4 million total light vehicle sales. We could see that figure drop to around 15 million in 2024. You know, that's a relatively modest decline, partially reflective that sales are still a little lower right now than where they might be, and also suggesting that demand for autos. I don't think it's going to plummet next year, but certainly on the margins, you could see some people start to decide maybe it's not the time to buy a car. You know, I think there still will be some demand out there, especially on the higher end of the market, which should keep cars moving through auto showrooms. Um, We expect some improved activity probably later in the year, and especially into 2025, once we see those rates come down, hopefully get past uh, the potential recession that we see, and that should help support some sales at that point. And I I think when you get to 2025, we could see light vehicle sales rising about 16 million, uh, and finally getting a little bit closer to the pre-pandemic sales trend that we saw before all the disruptions for the auto market that we've seen over the past couple of years. Well, thank you, Ben. And Daniel, thank you, too. It's been a great discussion on the auto market. To our audience, make sure you tune in next week. We're going to review the last Fed policy meeting of 2023. And if you've been listening to our podcast, you know we've been forecasting that they will probably keep rates unchanged at that meeting. So stay tuned. We're going to provide our reaction to their decision in our next podcast as soon as it comes out. Make sure you subscribe to receive notifications when each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition, or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023, Nationwide.